Chapter 11 of The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to find out how you can volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Zanusha The House with the Twisting Passage by Marion St. John Webb Chapter 11 Miss Ruby's Story Jenny was very excited the day Miss Ruby invited her to tea. She washed her face, brushed her hair carefully, put on a clean pinafore and her new shoes, and then she got her white cotton gloves out of her dressing-table drawer and looked at them. Somehow she always connected her cotton gloves, the only white pair she possessed, with Miss Ruby. It seemed the proper thing to do, to put them on when visiting Miss Ruby. And yet, it might look so odd to wear them, Jenny thought, when she wasn't putting on a hat. She hesitated, put them back in the drawer, then got them out again and hurriedly stuffed them away in her pocket. She would feel more comfortable if she had them with her when sitting in Miss Ruby's room, even if she didn't wear them. They belong to visiting Miss Ruby, she said to herself. So she went downstairs with the gloves in her pocket. She found Miss Ruby in a yellow silk dress with gold earrings and a long gold chain round her neck. She looked very beautiful. Indeed, so fascinating did Jenny find her, that she could scarcely take her eyes off her, or eat any tea. "'You are eating nothing,' said Miss Ruby sweetly. "'Have one of these pretty little iced cakes.' And with her own snow-white fingers she put one on Jenny's plate. Miss Ruby chatted gaily during tea and laughed a lot, showing her lovely white teeth. But Jenny was so overcome with admiration that she was stricken dumb and could only smile shyly whenever Miss Ruby looked at her. At length, when tea was finished, Miss Ruby said, Come and sit on this comfy cushion at my feet. That's better. Now tell me. What has happened to that little tongue of yours? Miss Ruby's eyes twinkled. I often hear you chattering away in the garden. Jenny blushed, and, a little confused, touched the hem of Miss Ruby's frock. How lovely this is, said Jenny softly. Miss Ruby's eyes lit up. Do you like it? she said. I'm so glad. I love silk myself. It's so beautiful to touch, so beautiful to look at, so beautiful to wear. It always makes me feel silky inside when I wear a silk frock. This was a new idea to Jenny, and she pondered over it for a few moments, wondering whether her blue serge frock was making her feel all surgy inside. I wonder if Aunt Abby feels like alpaca she thought, then quickly recalled herself, for Miss Ruby was speaking again. 
I'll tell you a little tale I know about a silk dress, she was saying. A yellow silk dress, something like the one I've got on, only, as you will see, made in a very different way. Miss Ruby ran her dainty fingers down the folds of her own silk dress and began her story, while Jenny sat on the cushion at her feet, gazing adoringly up at her, one hand touching the hem of Miss Ruby's silk frock, and the other in her pocket, clasping the white cotton gloves. THE YELLOW SILK DRESS in a little country town about forty miles from London, there lived a dressmaker named Miss Bent. She was what people call a visiting dressmaker. That is, one who goes around to various people's houses, doing a day sewing here and a day sewing there. She got plenty of work to do because she was a clever dressmaker. One morning a carriage drove up to her door. The little dressmaker peeped through her window curtains all in a flutter, and she saw the lady of the manor get out and come up to her front door. She had never done work for the lady of the manor yet, and was delighted that at last she was going to be asked to do so. The lady of the manor was shown into the small front parlour, and Miss Bent nervously offered her a chair. The lady of the manor was very large, and wore a huge fur coat, and a hat which seemed to make her larger than ever. She seemed to fill up half the space in the little front parlour. "'Good morning,' she said graciously. "'I want you to come and do a couple of days' dressmaking at the manor house.' Miss Bent murmured that she would be very pleased indeed. "'Can you come tomorrow?' said her ladyship. "'I'm extremely sorry, but I'm engaged to-morrow, your ladyship,' Miss Bent said apologetically. Her ladyship looked a trifle annoyed. "'The day after, then,' she said. "'Yes, the day after. Miss Bent would be very pleased,' she assured her. "'Very well, then. But now listen,' her ladyship continued. It's my daughter and my niece who want dresses made for them. They want special frocks, made in a hurry. We have got the materials in already. But when you come to make them up, now listen carefully. I want you to make one of them, my nieces, look as hideous as you can. Your ladyship, gasped Miss Bent faintly. As hideous as you can, repeated the lady. Put good needlework into it if you like, but make it so the neck part will make my niece's neck look thinner than ever, and if you put pleats or frills, put them just a tiny bit wrong, so that they will stick out in the wrong places and lie down flat where they ought not to. Do you understand? Show me how clever you can be. Show me that you can do anything you like with material by doing what I ask. My daughter's frock I want made well, but my niece, I want to teach her a lesson she is so vain. Miss Bent felt a little bewildered. Never in the whole of her quiet life had she been asked to do so odd a thing before. 
If you will do your work thoroughly and satisfactorily, I will pay you ten times as much as you usually get for a day's work, her ladyship said. She paused a moment, and then added, My request may sound strange to you, I expect it does, but as I said, I wish to teach my niece a wholesome lesson, and besides, I have other private reasons as well. I shall be obliged to you if you will do as I require. But, but what about my reputation as a dressmaker? said Miss Bent. People will see your niece's dress, and I shall lose orders, perhaps. Oh, leave that to me, said her ladyship. Your reputation will not be harmed in any way. No one that matters will see my niece in the dress, I give you my word. And in future I will make a point of always recommending you to my friends, if you do what I ask satisfactorily. Miss Bent hesitated but a moment longer. Then she promised to do what was required of her. How could she refuse the lady of the manor? Nevertheless, as the lady of the manor drove away, Miss Bent felt a sinking at the heart, and for the remainder of the day was beset by a restlessness that was strange to her. Have you ever noticed how quickly the day after tomorrow comes? Sometimes it seems to come even quicker than tomorrow itself. At any rate, that's how it was with Miss Bent's day after tomorrow. The time came for her to go up to the manor-house, before she realised that to-morrow had come and gone. People who love their work as Miss Bent did always find the days too short. I wish there were forty-eight hours in a day, and night, instead of twenty-four, Miss Bent had been heard to say. So on the day after to-morrow she put on her neat blue serge coat and skirt and small black hat, buttoned up her kid gloves, and started off for the manor-house. She was rather troubled in her mind. Being so fond of her work, she always liked to do it in a thoroughly satisfactory manner. She liked to make a success of whatever she put her hand to. But today she realised that her work could not possibly be an entire success. If she made the dress properly, as she would like to do, it would not be a success in the eyes of the lady of the manor. If she spoilt it and satisfied her ladyship, what would the niece say? Miss Bent sighed. It was very tiresome. She was shown into a light, airy room at the manor-house, and there she found everything in readiness for her. The material and cottons, a tape measure, a sewing-machine, and a pair of large, bright scissors. On the table, beside the sewing-machine, were lying two pictures, cut out from some magazine, showing the styles in which the dresses were to be made. As soon as Miss Bent had taken off her outdoor clothes, the daughter of the house, Miss Philippa, and the niece, Miss Helen, came in to be measured. They were both well-mannered young schoolgirls, but whereas Philippa's face was ordinary, pleasing and fresh, but very ordinary, Helen was decidedly pretty and attractive. Miss Bent, fluttering round with the tape measure, 
and her mouth full of pins, supposed that Helen's looks were the cause of her vanity, and the reason for her aunt's strange request. And yet, so far as Miss Bent could see, Helen did not appear to be vain. She had a simple, kindly manner, and Miss Bent liked her. Philippa seemed rather distant and cold in her manner toward the little dressmaker. She struck Miss Bent as being rather proud. With an experienced eye, Miss Bent took stock of the girls as she measured them, noticing their weak points, which should be hidden, and their good points, which should be made the most of. Philippa's neck was short and inclined to be thick, so Miss Bent knew that she must shape her dress so as to make Philippa's neck appear as slim as possible. She had pretty arms. The sleeves of the dress must be short. She noted one point after another, and then she turned her attention to Helen. Helen, although her face was pretty, had a neck that was thin and bony, and her elbows were sharp and ugly. The neck of her dress must be cut very wide each side, so as to make her neck look even thinner, Miss Bent thought sadly, and her sleeves must be extra short to show off the ugliness of her arms. A bunchy flounce across the back of her neck would give her a round-shouldered appearance, and if the waistline of her dress was put very low, Helen would look long-bodied and awkward. All these things and many more Miss Bent observed while her tape measure was busy. But when the girls had gone, she sat down by the sewing machine, her hands lying idle in her lap, and thought for a minute in silence. What a shame it seemed, what a shame, to make this young girl look as thin and awkward as possible, and waste a length of beautiful material in doing so, when such a lovely and becoming dress might have been made. Miss Bent pulled herself together. This would never do. She had her work to do, and she must do it. She had promised. But what was the real reason for it all, she wondered, as she spread Helen's material out on the table and picked up the scissors. The material was beautiful in texture and colour, being a deep orange silk. Philippa's material was also silk, but of a lovely blue shade. Now that she had met Helen, Miss Bent felt grave doubts as to Helen's vanity. Of the two, Philippa had seemed to think the most of her appearance. Helen had taken an interest in Philippa's frock as well as her own, but Philippa had only been interested in her own. Miss Bent worked away with a puzzled frown on her face. When the girls came in again after lunch for the first trying on, Miss Bent learned a little more about them. "'Our grandmother is going to pass a visit tomorrow evening,' Helen chatted away. "'She hasn't seen either of us for years and years. Not since we were babies, has she, Phil? She's lived abroad for a long time in Spain.' That's what we want these new dresses for. It's a special occasion, her visit, isn't it, Phil? Philippa nodded. She did not approve of her cousin's talking like that to a dressmaker, 
and meant to tell her so directly they were outside the sewing-room door. I'm longing to see her. I've heard such a lot about her and her funny ways, said Helen, smiling. Do you remember the story, Phil, of how Granny once— Helen, broke in Philippa coldly, you're treading on a piece of my dress stuff, and look at that cotton caught all round your shoe button. Do be careful, and please don't talk so much. You worry me while I'm trying on my dress, and I can't think. Sorry, said Helen good-humouredly, then laughed as she untwisted the cotton. I have got this in a muddle, Miss Bent. I'm dreadfully sorry, she apologised. It's all right, doesn't matter a bit, said Miss Bent hurriedly, wishing it was Philippa's dress she had to spoil. I begin to see light, thought Miss Bent to herself. It is before the grandmother that her ladyship wants Miss Helen to look her worst. The grandmother with her funny ways, who hasn't seen these girls since they were babies. I wonder what it all means. And as she continued her work, the dressmaker was sorely tempted to make Helen's dress as she knew she could make it, in a way that would suit Helen and make her look charming. I ought never to have promised her ladyship, said Miss Bent to herself more than once. I don't like it at all. But she kept to her work and sewed steadily for the rest of that day and the best part of the following one. About tea-time on the second day the dresses were finished and Miss Bent rang the bell for Lily, one of the maids, and requested her to ask the two young ladies if they would come and try on their frocks before she went home. The girls were full of excitement as they came hurrying into the room, followed by the lady of the manor. The excitement made Helen look prettier than ever, Miss Bent thought. Philippa's dress was tried on first. It was beautifully made and suited her excellently. Philippa looked almost pretty in it. "'Oh, isn't it lovely?' cried Helen. "'You do look sweet, Phil.' And she danced round her cousin, and then stood still, gazing at the frock in admiration. A glow of pleasure came into her ladyship's eyes. "'Good, very good indeed,' she nodded approval. But Miss Bent did not feel the satisfaction she would have done at any other time. She dreaded the next five minutes. Helen slipped eagerly into her yellow silk frock, and Miss Bent fastened it up for her, with fingers that trembled slightly. When all was ready, Helen stepped before a long mirror that hung on the wall, and looked at herself. And as she looked, the eager light in her face slowly faded. She turned towards Miss Bent with a puzzled, almost hurt expression in her eyes. But Miss Bent avoided her glance, and stooped quickly, pretending to take a pin out of the hem of the dress. Her ladyship surveyed Miss Bent's work with great approval. It was even better than she had hoped. Her niece looked scraggy and round-shouldered, long-bodied and out of proportion 
with her thin legs and bony elbows greatly emphasised through the dressmaker's skill. At the sight of the failure she appeared in the dress made of beautiful yellow silk. Helen's prettiness seemed clouded for a time. It really was decidedly better than her ladyship had hoped. Excellent, she said aloud. You have made a splendid job of it, Miss Bend. It is delightful. I am more than satisfied. But, Aunt, faltered poor Helen, it, it doesn't look right to me. What's the matter with it? I look so dreadfully thin. You are thin, my dear child, said her ladyship. There's no getting away from the fact. But, yes, but, not as thin as all that. What is the matter with it, Miss Bent? asked Helen. Miss Bent stood up stroked down one of the pleats, and suddenly found she was looking straight into Helen's wistful eyes, her own filled with tears at the disappointment in the child's face. Miss Bent fumbled for her handkerchief, tried to speak, but it was too late. She felt the tears creeping down her cheeks. "'Oh, Miss Bent, don't, please don't,' she heard Helen's voice full of remorse. What a beast I am, when you've worked so hard on this frock to get it done in time. And you must be so tired. It's all right. It really is all right. Please don't, Miss Bent. You mustn't be disappointed at what I said. It was only... only just at first. Perhaps it will look different when my hair's done properly. Helen could never bear to see anyone in tears. Her own disappointment was forgotten for the moment in her pity for Miss Bent. She did not know that the dressmaker's tears were tears of anger and remorse, rather than of disappointment. "'There, there, Miss Bent,' said her ladyship. "'You are overtired. Run away up to your rooms, girls. And Philippa, tell James to order the carriage round. You must ride home, Miss Bent. Yes, I insist.' The carriage can put you down at your door, and then go on to the station to meet a guest we are expecting this evening. Now let me settle my bill with you. I am extremely pleased with your work. shall recommend you to all my friends. Run away, Helen, and don't worry, Miss Bent. Yes, yes, child, she knows you're sorry. It's all right. So Miss Bent drove home in her ladyship's carriage with ten times as much money as she usually got for her work. But her heart was heavy, and her eyes were full of tears. This was the end of the incident, as far as she was concerned, Miss Bent thought. She would never know the sequel to her ladyship's strange request. But the following day Miss Bent proved herself wrong, by discovering, quite by accident, the end of the story. Miss Bent jumped into the train to go to the next village, where she was to do a day's dressmaking, and found that the only other person in her carriage was Lily, her ladyship's maid. I'm leaving these parts, said Lily. Left the manor for good and all. Left the manor, said Miss Bent. 
"'but I thought you had been with her ladyship for years.' "'So I had,' Lily nodded. "'But I'm leaving. Got the sack,' she announced, smiling. "'Sack?' echoed Miss Bent. "'Oh, I'm sorry.' "'I'm glad,' said Lily. "'Taking all in all, and I'd do what I did last night all over again if I got the chance, I would. "'We did have a scene.' she said with relish. Miss Bent looked at her, surprised and questioningly, and Lily, only too glad to have a listener, told her story. It seemed that the grandmother had come to dinner the night before, as arranged, but events had turned out very differently from her ladyship's expectations. The grandmother, according to Lily, was an old and ugly person who loved everything that was beautiful to look at around her. She had a queer temper and odd ideas. The special reason for her visit to England was to see all her grandchildren. The one she took the greatest fancy to was to be invited to go back with her to Spain and then to accompany her on a tour round the world. It would be a golden opportunity in more ways than one for the lucky grandchild chosen. For the grandmother had a large private fortune of her own, and who knows, the grandchild she took with her might inherit this fortune. Miss Bent began to understand her ladyship's motive for wanting Helen to create an unfavourable impression, and why she desired Philippa to outshine Helen on this particular occasion. Ten minutes before the grandmother came,' continued Lily, "'I met Miss Ellen and Miss Philippa coming downstairs, "'and there was Miss Helen in that yellow frock. "'No offence to you, Miss Bent, but it did make her look a sight. "'I don't know how you did it. "'Couldn't you see what was wrong? "'But never mind that now. "'I wished she could have put on that old white dress of hers "'that I knew was upstairs in the wardrobe. "'Sweet in that she always looked.' but her ladyship had insisted on both the young ladies wearing their new dresses in honour of their grandmother's visit, and of course Miss Helen didn't know why her grandmother was coming, though some of his servants knew, and Miss Philippa too, I'm thinking. Well, I stopped at the top of the stairs, resting a tray I was carrying on the banisters for a moment, while I looked down at Miss Helen, who had stopped halfway down to speak to her ladyship, who was about to come up. All of a sudden the tray slipped from my hands, and over the banisters it went, crashing down below, while the things that had been on it flew about in all directions. I screamed. Her ladyship screamed. Miss Philippa screamed. And then I saw what had happened. The ink out of a large pot that had been on the tray had gone all over Miss Ellen's yellow silk frock. A great streak of it, from neck to hem and all down one side of her face it was, too. And this was not all. A jug of water I'd been carrying had drenched one arm and side, and there were all bits of broken glass on the stairs. Of course there was a dreadful scene, though Miss Ellen said it didn't matter a bit, and afterward I'm sure I heard her laughing in the bathroom when she was washing all the ink off herself. She had the taps rushing noisily, but I heard her laughing, I'm sure I did. It was a mercy the glass didn't cut her, but she wasn't hurt a bit, only startled. 
Of course, the yellow dress was ruined, and her ladyship was furious and gave me notice on the spot. But Miss Helen came down to dinner in her old white frock, looking as sweet as a rose. She pushed a note under my door late that night, telling me how sorry she was I was leaving, and telling me she didn't mind a bit about the dress. She was glad, she said. She hadn't liked the dress. Miss Bent had been listening to all this in wondering silence. "'And the grandmother?' she asked quickly. "'It was all the talk among the servants this morning "'that the old lady had quite made up her mind "'which of her grandchildren to take back with her.' "'Of course it was Miss Helen,' queried Miss Bent eagerly, "'as the train stopped at her station. "'Of course it was Miss Helen,' said Lily, smiling. "'Who could help it, with her kind heart and sweet face "'looking her best and all in her old white frock?' "'Miss Bent, who was on the platform by now, "'turned and looked through the carriage door. "'Lily,' she began, "'I'm so thankful you undid my unfortunate work "'that I'm sorry you've lost your post through it. "'Surely her ladyship might have realised "'that it was purely an accident.' "'And after having you all these years—' "'Accident,' repeated Lily, and she laughed. "'Good-bye, Miss Bent, and don't you worry about me. "'I'll soon get another job.' "'Lily leaned out and waved her hand as the train began to move. "'Miss Bent stood perfectly still until the train was out of sight. "'She was still thinking of Lily's odd laugh. "'Accident!' said Miss Bent to herself. No, she did it purposely. She dropped that tray purposely so that Miss Helen wouldn't be able to wear the ugly yellow silk dress. Of course she did. Why didn't I think of that before? End of chapter 11